Right, go ahead with the logic. Okay, Mark, logic one and two, Mark. Houston, we are set. We have a cryo press light. Roger, copy, cryo press light. Apollo 11, this is uh, Houston. Minus 10, 9, 8. We have a go for main engine start. We have main engine start. 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hello and welcome to Space Gen, the show where you find out all the latest from the space industry. You can catch our episodes on X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8 a.m. or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and let's get into the news. In space news, we have SpaceX, and they've just completed their fifth launch for Starlink Communications, launching another 60 satellites into orbit. But all didn't go well. It did suffer a landing failure. But it's important to remember that this recent Starlink mission, which was B1056, and that's in reference to the booster as well, it was its fourth launch in 10 months, which is pretty crazy compared to any other orbital class rocket in existence. The Falcon 9's missed landing is the first in almost 15 months and the second to fail because of an inaccurate navigation. But let's take our minds back to December 2018. Falcon 9 booster B1050 successfully completed the primary goal of its launch debut, sending SpaceX CRS-16, which was the Cargo Dragon spacecraft, and a Falcon upper stage on their way into orbit. Around seven minutes after liftoff, it became clear that something was wrong. The booster began to spin out of control in an unusually violent manner, and about a minute later, it was still spinning, the Falcon 9 booster deployed its landing legs and performed a nearly flawless soft landing. The only problem was the rocket's soft landing occurred in the Atlantic Ocean instead of the actual target, which was one of SpaceX's two Cape Canaveral landing pads. As a result, the Block 5 booster found itself almost entirely intact and floating in the Atlantic Ocean. Based on the fact that the B1056 kicked up a visible sea spray just a few hundred feet from the of course I still love you deck, as well as a distinct lack of an obvious explosion, it looks likely that the Falcon 9 booster suffered some kind of a navigational failure. Regardless of whether parts or the entirety of the booster can be recovered, SpaceX is almost certainly going to have to learn a lesson from this Falcon 9, because hopefully this is going to allow the future of rocket landings to avoid the same fate. Now over at Rocket Lab, well, NASA has announced Friday that Rocket Lab will launch a 55 pound, which is about 25 kilos, a little CubeSat from the Wallops Island, Virginia, towards the moon in early 2021 on a demonstration mission to test lunar navigation techniques and scout a unique elliptical orbit for the planned Gateway Mini Station. So remember that's that space station for the moon. So the Cislunar Autonomous Positioning System Technology Operation and Navigation Experiment, also known as Capstone, will launch aboard the Rocket Lab's Electron Booster. But what is Capstone? What was this whole mission? Well, again, like we were just talking about, 
It's a pathfinder for the Lunar Gateway, which is the mini space station that NASA intends to use as a staging point for crewed lunar landings beginning as soon as 2024. Now, the commercially built capstone CubeSat will conduct deep space navigation experiments and demonstrate maneuvers to enter an orbit in and near rectilinear halo orbit, which is an elliptical orbit around the moon and it's going to be home to the gateway. A critical piece in NASA's architecture to return humans to the lunar surface. Now, Christopher Baker is a small spacecraft technology program executive at NASA headquarters in Washington said, quote, this mission is all about quickly and more affordably demonstrating the new capabilities and we are partnering with small businesses to do it. And just as a little bit of a background on the rocket itself, which is called the Electron, it stands around 55 feet tall, and it's made of a black carbon composite material, and it's powered by a 3D printed engine. The Electron can loft up to 330 pounds of payload into a 310 mile high orbit. So, and that's all according to Rocket Lab. The liftoff of Capstone CubeSat next year is expected to be Rocket Lab's first launch towards the moon. After a three-month journey, Capstone will settle into its planned near-rectilinear halo orbit, passing as close as 1,000 miles and as far as 43,500 miles from the moon. Now, talking about the moon, well, as the warning crescent moon rises in the small hours of the morning on Tuesday, Skywatchers prepared for an unusual event. That morning, the moon glided in front of the orange star-like planet of Mars. Now, Western and Central US and Canada, they kind of viewed both the disappearance and reappearance of the red planet in a dark twilight sky. However, from Western Canada, the Pacific Northwest and northern portions of California and Nevada, only the end of the oculation could be seen since Mars is already behind the moon when it came up, and that was around 3.30 a.m. On the other hand, across the eastern US, the planet both disappeared and emerged after sunup. So it was kind of interesting. Now, going back to NASA, we're going to talk about low-cost space missions, because as we know, there was a budget increase. Now, there's, there's three cosmic objects, and this is at focus for four finalists for NASA's next round of Discovery missions. Now, the Discovery program develops relatively low-cost robotic exploration efforts. Each one is capped at around half a billion dollars each, excluding costs for the launch vehicle and the mission operations. So Thomas Seperchen, who is an associate administrator of NASA's Science Mission Directorate, said that, quote, these selected missions have the potential to transform our understanding of some of the solar system's most active and complex worlds. Exploring any one of these celestial bodies will help us unlock the secrets of how it and others like it came to be in the cosmos. Teams behind the four mission concepts will each receive three million to continue maturing their ideas over the next nine months, culminating in the submission of study reports to NASA. Agency officials will then evaluate these reports, eventually choosing up to two missions for the continued development towards flight. Two of the missions could end up getting off the ground. Indeed, that happened during the previous Discovery round in January 2017. If we think back to then, NASA announced that both the Lucy and Preach missions would proceed to launch, and that was supposed to be for 2021, 2022. 
two of the four newly announced finalists target Venus. DaVinci Plus, which is short for Deep Atmosphere Venus Investigation of Noble Gases, Chemistry and Imaging Plus would send a probe down the Venetian air gathering data that would help scientists better understand how the hellish hot planet's atmosphere had changed over time. Now, the Veritas, which is short for Venus Emissivity Radio Science, INSAR, Topography and Spectroscopy. And that mission would map Venus' surface in a very high detail from orbit. And this is all to help confirm the geologic history and maybe even confirm volcanism and plate tectonics if they're active on the planet even today. But talking about humans getting into orbit, well, NASA has now confirmed that SpaceX with its Dragon Cruise spacecraft will be the first private company in history to launch its astronauts from US soil to the International Space Station. And this is really quite an unexpected twist from the usually tight-lipped space agency, and it's a major upset for Boeing. Pretty out of character for NASA. Uh, given that Crew Dragon Demo 2 is expected to launch no earlier than two or three months from now, so their statement that SpaceX will launch astronauts first simultaneously means it's really bad news for Boeing and its Starliner spacecraft. Now, the commercial crew account has since deleted the tweet, and NASA's accompanying blog posted uh, said with the tweet, it was tweaked to reflect a slightly different interpretation but the original text unequivocally stated that, quote, SpaceX Crew Dragon spacecraft signed to the first crew launch from American soil since 2011 has arrived at the launch site. Given that both the tweet and the blog post contain that same exact phrase, the fact that NASA retroactively censored and corrected itself strongly suggests that SpaceX will in fact become the first private company in history to launch astronauts into orbit. And NASA's got a notorious history, and this is why it's kind of unexpected, because they've got a notorious history for avoiding or implying anything that could be perceived as slightly critical of Boeing. I mean, they're a prime contractor dating back to the first stage of the Saturn V rocket, and Boeing has effectively secured billions of dollars of NASA's annual budget and possesses deep political sway, thanks in large part to their revolving doors between the industry and government and hundreds of millions of dollars it's spent on lobbying for over the last two decades. But as we all know, Boeing's Starliner spacecraft suffered several major software-related failures during its December 2019 orbital flight test, narrowly avoiding a second catastrophic failure. So it's not unsurprising that NASA's now got extremely concerned. It's gotten to the point where they're saying, this is just a lack of basic and common sense level of quality control that now they're just going to SpaceX. So if all things go as planned over the next several weeks, Falcon 9 and Crew Dragon could launch astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley as early as late April or May of 2020. Now talking about, let's talk a little bit about Earth because 30 years ago today, humanity got a chance to see itself in a whole new light. On February 14, 1990, NASA's Voyager 1 probe snapped a photo of Earth from 3.7 billion miles away, and the image showed our home planet as it truly is. 
a tiny, lonely outpost in an incomprehensibly vast cosmos, and became as an iconic kind of picture as a result. So scientist Candy Hansen, who served as the experiment representative for the Voyager imaging team, and was the first person to set eyes on this Voyager 1 pale blue dot picture, says, Now we have climate change as an existential threat. And we need to remind ourselves that there's only one planet that's hospitable to humans. Even if we colonize the moon and Mars one day, neither of those bodies is really going to be able to support several billion of us. So we really need to take care of this planet. Now, Voyager 1 launched a few weeks after its twin, Voyager 2, back in 1977. Together, the two probes conducted an unprecedented grand tour of the solar system's giant planets, flying by Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. The tour was over after the Neptune encounter, which Voyager 2 executed in August 1989, so this was a long time ago. But the two spacecraft, they kept on flying, and they went out towards the great unknown of interstellar space. Mission team members decided to turn off the two probe cameras to save precious power during the long journey, and because they probably wouldn't have many chances to photograph interesting things out beyond Neptune anyway. But Voyager 1 turned around to take one last look at home before closing its eyes. And not just its home planet, but its home system. The probe took a family portrait series of 60 photos capturing the Sun, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus and Neptune in addition to Earth. Mercury was too close to the Sun to be imaged, and the sunlight was bouncing around in the camera and it blocked Mars out. But the pale blue dot was the brainchild of the famed astronomer, science communicator, and Voyager imaging team member Carl Sagan, who first proposed snapping the Earth with Voyager cameras in 1981. And Sagan helped popularize the image and its message after the fact, writing a book called Pale Blue Dot, a vision of the human future in space. And Earth was one of the last things Voyager 1 saw. The probe took the pale blue dot photo at 0448 GMT on February 14th, 1990, just 34 minutes before its cameras were shut off forever. But although the photos were taken on February 14th, the photos didn't arrive to Earth until May 1st, 1990. Hansen said, It was actually kind of terrifying because I didn't see it at first. And because of that beam of scattered light, it didn't pop out at me immediately. And then I was so afraid that we had missed it, or screwed it up with the exposure or something. So it was definitely such a sigh of relief when we spotted it. But when you see the picture, it's almost like that beam of scattered light. It's like a spotlight from the cosmos onto our little world for a moment. But I think the point that was being made is we really do have the perfect place to live. But sometimes it's nice to leave home. And that's what we're starting to see going into the 2020s. We're starting to become multi-planetary. Again, this is all news we just had in the last week. This is how quick things are starting to move, and as I've said before, we really are heading into a new space age. So if you like hearing about the news, make sure to tune in every Wednesday at 8am on X-Ray FM, or on SoundCloud by searching Space Gen. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and I'll see you next time.